0: You're listening to audio from Plank Harvest Church, located in Crossville, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about our church and its various ministries, please visit our website at www.plankrowharvest.org.
1: Thank you, Aubrey. Alright, so we're going to be looking at, we're taking a break, we've been in Genesis, we're taking a break from that, and we're moving uh, to uh, Luke and talking about uh, the things that surround Christmas, the idea of Christmas, the idea of what uh, went on uh, right before Christ Jesus was born. Um, Before I get started, if you've got one of these... Uh, we'll talk about this a little bit more. I'll remind you at the end of the service. But we've put out, we passed out these reminders that we are going to have a Christmas party with uh, a joint Christmas party with the Hispanic church. And that's going to be December 19th at 6 p.m. here at Plant Grow Harvest. And uh, we're going to have uh, food and, and fellowship and games. And I, I want to encourage you to come and attend that. That'll be a good thing. Uh, if you've got any questions, you can call Renetta. Her number's on here, um, but this is this is going to be a special thing. We're not going to have a meal the next uh, that that Sunday morning, but we're going to have a, a big shindig Sunday night. So that is a reminder. I'll remind you again before we leave the service this afternoon so i I was reading, we were talking, I was talking to Dale. and we, we were going over what we we're going to teach and and how we're taking a break from Genesis, and I know that's a welcome break <laughs> to some of you and uh I completely understand that. So I was reading in Luke and looking at Luke and and, and thinking of uh, how the Lord has blessed me and and blessed our church. Honestly, we have I've got four young daughters and uh, and one of them is is fourteen. My oldest is fourteen, then eleven, and six, and two, and then you got Moses in there. Love his heart, poor guy has to live in the house with all of us. So uh, and then. Uh, We've got the Miller girls, the other Miller girls, uh, some, some Bisbee girls, some Baldwin girls, some strong girls. we got a lot of girls. we got a lot of young women, and uh, so as I was reading in Luke and, and how he's talking, Luke is, if you didn't know this, Luke wrote his book, this, this letter to this guy named Theophilus, and he, but he leads off with this interesting statement or, or these interesting facts, talking about Mary addressing Mary, this this lowly. Jewish girl who was between 14 and, and 18, uh, probably, when she got this news from the angel, like, hey, when Gabriel comes and sees her and says, you're going to be uh, the mother of, of the Son of God. That is, that is going to be your role. And, and so I, I just wanted to look at her and, and see what was her response to this. I, I mean, how do you respond to news like that? It's it's something pretty incredible to I, imagine. I mean, I can think back to when we first found out we were pregnant with with Aubrey. We had, we had just gotten married. We graduated ETSU and uh, got married a couple of months later, and then moved directly to Murfreesboro. And we'd been there three months, and I was working at Circuit City. Uh, may it rest in peace. And and <laughs> and. and, and uh, I get this phone call on the landline at Circuit City like hey you need to come home. I'm like, "Oh no." I'm like, "What's going on?" She's like, "I Whitney's like, "I think I'm pregnant." I'm like, "What?" This can't be. We just got married. It's not even it's 3 months." And so I go I go home and she she looks she shows me the 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 pregnancy test and she's like, "I called the guy at Walgreens and he said, "Ma'am, if you are taken three or four and they all say you're pregnant, you're, pr- you're probably pregnant. And uh, so we sat there and we were like, what are we going to do? What's this? I mean, we didn't plan this. We had this whole big plan. I was going to go to dental school. I was going to do, we had it all ready to execute. And and the Lord said, no, no, you're going to do it this way. And so we, we sat there on the couch and, and stunned really. And, uh, uh, very soon moved back to Crossville to where we could be around my family and closer to her family so we could have help and support and, and uh, the rest is history. And so when we look at Mary, I, I look at Mary and now that I have a 14-year-old daughter uh, and, and, and I know these other girls in our church and I, I think, what would that, what, what's it like? What would that be like to have an angel show up And to give you this news. That not only were you going to have a baby. But you're going to have a baby who rescues the world. That you're going to have this baby that's going to be the center point of human history. That he's going to be the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Uh, Maybe you've heard it said history is his story. And so what's that going to feel like? That you're going to bring... This young boy, this the son of man, into the world and and what we see is that in luke one and we're going to we 're going to read some before this, but we see Mary sings this song of praise it's called the magnificate and and it's it's amazing it's amazing her response is spot on we see her her uncle or our, our cousin in law uh Zachariah, who is it says he's a faithful man of God. His response is more of doubt, and he gets he gets made mute for it. But hers is one of praise and adoration, and it's just incredible from this young lady. So it's like I think of this, and it, I think of my role. I think of Whitney's role. I think of Pete and Tracy and. Uh, the Millers and, and, and the Baldwins and the Strongs. And I, I think of all our roles as parents. What do we do? How do we encourage our daughters to respond to the Lord in the way Mary responded to the Lord? That's my goal. That's the goal of this church. We want to reproduce reproducers in and through this body of believers. We want to make disciples. We Not just boys, but boys and girls that... When our, when we are gone, that our children's children are telling people about Jesus. That's what we want to do. That's that's the goal. Um. So, uh, we we see this song, and, and we're gonna we're gonna get to that. I'm gonna read up to that. I'm actually gonna start in verse 26. Uh, it's, it's it's hard to find where to start because there's literally so much. That's happened in verse 26. We see the angel Gabriel talking to Mary. He's already spoken to Elizabeth uh, and to Zechariah. Fascinating whole sermon there. So I'm, I'm cutting it down. We're starting here, 26. In the month, the angel, or in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and, and this is the sixth month with her, whom he whom was called barren. And nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Behold, I am a slave a bondservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. That's John the Baptist. is six months old in Elizabeth's womb. And he leaps with joy. And, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit So we're going to go on into the into the actual uh, song that Mary sings right now. Uh, just something that, uh, some takeaways from that real quick. How, I guess, that's, I look at Luke, and Luke is writing this to Theophilus. How can I be Luke to a Theophilus? I look at Elizabeth, and I see that when she hears Mary come in and Mary's greeting, how can I be, how can my wife, how can uh, the ladies in this church be Elizabeth's so that they are receptive of the Holy Spirit so that when Mary comes in, when the young ladies come in, that they can push that Holy Spirit, that they can pour the, the Word of God out on these young ladies. That's what we are to do. That's what we're to do. I, those are, I, that's just molding plus modeling equals maturity. The world is not going to do that for our children, for our young people. We cannot trust the world with the images of God that he has given us. He has given them to us for a reason. So there's three uh, uh, points before we get into uh, the praise, the song of praise here. Kind of some overarching points. Um, let Let me go ahead and let's just go ahead and look at the song. Let's go ahead and read that. Starting in verse 46. And Mary said... This is, this is instantly, she sings this song, right? The Magnificat is the name. I want to keep saying the Magnificent, but it's actually pronounced the Magnificat. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, and behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is worthy has done great things for me, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. So the first thing I want to say here, uh, there's kind of some three overarching points. The first one is this, is that Mary knows her Bible. Mary knows her Bible. Because you see what Mary does here, is she quotes the Old Testament 15 times in 10 verses. I mean, how many of us, as a pre-20-year-old, could have written a 10-verse song and quoted the Old Testament 10 times or 15 times. That's pretty impressive. Another thing she sees here is she's not a biblically illiterate person. She doesn't make a differentiation between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. She knows that there is one God, and He is the same today, tomorrow and forevermore. And she's saying, "This is Him. This is God. This is God fulfilling His covenant." The second thing that I want us to see, kind of overarching, and I had uh, Abby read out of uh, this, out of 1 Samuel, and it's the story of Hannah. And if you know your Bible, it's this, it's this Old Testament story of, of, the girl, of this girl named Hannah who has her son Samuel. And uh, Hannah had prayed for a son, didn't have one. God blesses her with a child. And so she sings and, and prays this, this prayer that's found in 1 Samuel 2, one through ten, and if you look at it, the similarities between it and and what Mary sings and says is incredible. It's because Mary knows her Bible; she 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 knows the story of Hannah, and so she is very close in what she says to what Hannah had said thousands of years before. Pretty awesome, A- and so also we should see the simil- uh, similarities that. We're meant to see with Samuel as an old, pi- uh, sorry, Old Testament picture of Christ. He's a type of Christ in the Old Testament. You see, in Hannah's day, there was no real priesthood. There was this priest named Eli, and he was corrupted. His sons were immoral. They took illegal payments. They were wicked men. So what did God do? He raised up Samuel, that he would fill this gap. Until a new priesthood is established under uh, Zadok, and also Samuel was—he's he, this priest that that was to be faithful. Also, he was—it uh, says that there were very few visions in that time when Samuel was uh, was born, and so Samuel wasn't all, all uh, only meant to be the priest. He was also meant to be the prophet. He was meant to prophesy and show God's people. God's will not only was he the priest and the prophet but at this time in Israel's history there weren't any kings the the kings hadn't been uh put in place yet and and the people wanted a king and so Samuel steps in before the kings and he is the headship where there is no proper governing of Israel he fills that gap and so what we see he What he he does is, in Samuel's life, as he fills all these roles, when Zadok comes along to be the priest, he steps down. When the prophet Elijah shows up, he steps down. When David comes in to become the king, first Saul and then David, he steps down. You see, Samuel stands in the gap. He feels the need. And if you've not read about Samuel, I encourage you to do that this week he's a great man he's a man that stood in the gap but back to mary mary is about to give birth to the priest of priests the final great high priest right she's about to give birth to the final word of god the ultimate prophet she is about to give birth to the king of kings who will rule and reign forever so the similarities we see in hannah and in mary is amazing There was a temporary priest, prophet, and king in in Samuel. But in Jesus, we have the ultimate priest, ultimate prophet, and the ultimate king, the Messiah. So the third important thing is we uh, we should look at this and ask the question, what should a person feel towards God in the knowledge that Jesus Christ has come? What should, what should we feel? What, what, would, what is right to feel? What is the correct response to God when we become aware of His saving knowledge? The saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. When a human being, when this lowly Jewish girl is confronted with the fact that God has considered her humble, broken state and provided a Savior, what does she feel? What does she feel? I don't know, have you ever thought about that? What is it that we should really feel when we see God for who He is and what He's done for us? Peter said it this way, you do not see Him, yet you love Him. And though you do not see Him, you know Him and you love Him and you rejoice. So let me show you what a person who knows their Old Testament should feel about this gift of the Messiah when Mary is confronted with this truth from Gabriel. When Gabriel shows up and tells her this, there's only one correct response. And it's in verse 46. It says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. This is what Christ does. Knowing him makes us magnify and worship God. And boast in Him. That's the way that Mary feels. And that's the way that we should feel about this gift that God has given us through His one and only Son. Not only does she exalt and magnify Him. But in verse 47, she recognizes Him as Savior. This is why she exalts Him. 47, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. I don't know if you've heard this. It's been said that when you boil everything down... To the simplest form, there's basically only two religions on earth. There's one that says do, and there's one that says done. And you see, when you have a religion that says that you have to earn your way to heaven, that you have to earn your way to God, that you have to do and do and do, you don't love that God. At most, you're just afraid to disappoint Him and fail. But when you have a religion that allows you to rejoice in God as your Savior for what He has done, you love Him. And when you start with love, because of all that He's done, it changes everything. Another way to picture this is if you got... Do I have a marker? I don't know if you can see this. Oh, you're not going to be able to see that. Life's a mountain. God's at the top. We're down here, lowly down here. First religion says, work and work and work and work your way to God. Do and do and do. Oh, you're going to fall, you're going to come back down. The whole world tells you that. But in Christianity, in the Bible, in the Word of God, it shows that God leaves from on high and comes down and rescues us and takes us back to Him. There's nothing else like it in the world. You've got to know it. You've got to realize that people that are out there with the coexist stickers and all that that say it's all the same, it's not. This is what sets us apart from the rest of the world. So look at what happens when you worship and follow the God of the Bible. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's what Mary knows. Mary exalts God because He has raised up a Messiah to put an end to the brokenness and save His people and fulfill His covenant purpose. That is why it is of primary importance that we believe what we do concerning the Trinity. We believe and know that God is three in one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We worship a triune God. You see, God is not complete without the work of the Son. Paul said it this way in Titus. He said, For the grace of God has appeared in Christ Jesus, bringing salvation to everyone. Titus 3, 4. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. That's in Jesus. Romans Uh, 5.8, Paul says, But God demonstrates His own love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Romans 3.25, Whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in His blood through faith. Talking of Jesus. Jesus Christ takes all these attributes of God and He fine-tunes them. God's love, God's mercy, and God's grace. And He makes it so we can see them plainly. Mary knows this. And she says, My soul magnifies the Lord. Verse 47, it goes on to say, And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Um, let me back up one second. What, I, what we're going to see real quick is, is seven attributes of God. We're just going to keep seeing how God is present in Jesus Christ and how Mary explains that to us. This young teenage girl knows it, and, and, and explains it to us. So let's keep reading. Uh, verse 47. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. If you're taking notes, write down this phrase, God's love. In verse 47 and 48, we see God's love. We sing it this way. And when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burdens gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Albert Einstein, who is considered by many to be one of the most intelligent men to live in modern time, he believed in God. He was a theist. He believed in God. He made the statement that God does not play dice with the universe. He looked at the order of the universe and he was convinced that there was a creator. But... From the best we can tell, Einstein did not die a Christian because he could not fathom the fact that God, large enough to create the universe, was capable of loving a broken, lowly human. Now, he didn't arrive at that through science. He, he arrived at that through his flesh, through his fallenness. How could God love a human? How is that even possible? He couldn't connect the dots brilliant man teenager Mary says and my spirit rejoices in God my savior for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant you see God loves us we're going to look at something else here continue reading for behold from now on all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me make a note that she sees that God is mighty She sees the might of God through Christ. It doesn't matter how powerful a person gets. It doesn't matter how rich you get. It doesn't matter how how high you climb the corporate ladder. No one can raise themselves from the dead. It does not matter the greatness you achieve. Job says, how then can man be in the right before God? How can he who was born of woman, how can he be pure? You see, no amount of strength can do this. What can wash away my sins? There's nothing except the blood of Christ. See, through His death, burial, and resurrection, He has been able to impart His righteousness on you and me so that we may be made holy. This is the might of God. It took the death of God's Son to make us righteous, and He didn't stop there. He did it for you, for love, out of love. Thirdly, he reveals the holiness of his name. Second half of verse 49, it says holy is his name. You see, the name of God is the way that he tells us who he he is. And through Jesus, the name of God is further expanded. Paul put it like this in 2 Corinthians uh, 1.20. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Jesus confirms the holiness of God's name. This means that when God said to Eve, your seed will crush the serpent's head, Jesus did it. It means that when God spoke to Abraham and told him, through your line, I will produce a savior who will bless the entire world, he did it. Jesus did it. When God blessed the root of Jesse and and told David that there will be a ruler that comes in your line that will rule and reign forever, Jesus did it. You see, in Jesus, the promises of God are yes and amen. Keep looking, verse 50. And His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. Mercy. Mercy. Another attribute of God. Meaning that in Christ from generation to generation to generation that any man who fears God can always find mercy in him. To those that turn to God, he'll never forget us. He'll never forget us. Jesus stands in the gap and supplies God's mercy to all generations. You see, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. He never changes. You know what Mary said here? She said, "She said I knew you were there. I knew you saw us. I knew you were coming." She said, "And his mercy is for those who fear him from generations to generations." We call and he is there. No matter where you get in life, you call and Jesus is there. Verse fifty-one: Christ is demonstrate is a demonstration of God's justice in verse 51. Christ is the demonstration of God's justice. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Now, let me show you something right here that's really interesting. Mary uses this tense that's translated in the Greek, and I'm not a Greek scholar or, or a, a Hebrew scholar or even a halfway decent English speaker. Um, but what's interesting we see here is that what does she say? look at fifty one again she says he has shown he has scattered That's interesting, right Jesus isn't i mean he's he's just now been conceived he's not even walking talking yet, but yet she's talking about him like he's already done these things we We would read this and we would look at it, and we would probably say he will show or he will scatter. And the reason she does this is because she knows that God is faithful to complete whatever He starts. If God has said it, it's as good as done. See, in the Old Testament, it's the sluggard who buries his hand in the dish and doesn't raise it to his mouth. He's the quitter. God, He's no quitter. He finishes what He starts. So Mary believed that he who began a good work will one day perfect it. This young lady knew her Bible and she knew the God of the Bible. So he says that he has done mighty things with his arm and that's what Jesus is. He is the mighty arm of God. The arm of salvation. He has scattered the proud and brought down the rulers from their thrones. Mary realizes that the evil in our world, it can't last. It can't last. You've got to be like this too. We've got we to see this. We've got to see that evil for what it is and know that it can't last. One day, justice will come. She knew that. This time of year, I don't know about you, I love movies. I love movies. I watch a lot of movies, more than I should. Um, one that I don't watch as much as I used to because I just got, it drove me crazy, to be honest. Uh, but it's this time of year, it's The Wonderful Life, right? I, I mean, if you guys have seen it, uh, if you haven't seen it, I don't I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but uh yeah, man, you, you ain't seen nothing if you ain't seen a wonderful life. Uh so uh Frank Capka or or uh Capra is the guy who who wrote It's a Wonderful Life. And so after it was over uh, he would get these letters in the mail, and the main letter he would get is what happened to Mr. Potter? Um that's inter yeah, I mean you watch it and you're like because if you're like me, it's like, you want to see justice, right? You want to see, Mr. Potter needs to get it. And, and that's kind of how you want it to end. And, and that's not the way the movie ends at all. I mean, we know that old Mr. Potter stole from drunk Uncle Billy. We stole his money. And he made George jump through all these hoops. And the movie ends on this uplifting note. But there's no justice. It's like, hey, let's go beat up Potter, Let's go beat him down. Let's go find, let's get, I mean, we can sing, but let's go beat him up first. <laughs> swear, that's where But if you read your Bible, you know that justice is served. You see, one day Lucifer and all the demons are going to be cast into the lake of fire by our Redeemer, Kinsman, Lord, and Savior Jesus Christ. There is ultimate justice in the Bible. So let's keep going. Verse 52, he was brought down, uh, he brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. Write this down. This is a picture of God's grace. heard it a long time, and maybe you've heard it too. A great acronym for grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. And this is a picture of this. Of God's grace. We see this later on. uh, Actually the same terminology. That's used right here in 52 and 53. We see it later on. When Paul says in uh, Philippians. He's writing to the church in Philippi. uh, Chapter 2, 8 and 9. He says. And being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. Speaking of Jesus. And became obedient to death. Even death on the cross. Therefore. God exalted him. God exalted Christ to the highest place and gave him the name above all names. You see, what Paul tells us is that Jesus did what he did so that he can put his righteousness on us. That he can make us joint heirs of his kingdom. That we can be brought into the family of God as adopted sons and daughters. And Mary puts it simply, as he exalted the lowly. He has sent away the hungry with good things. In Ephesians, it says that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. John says that he has given us grace upon grace. That's what we are to do with the rest of our Christian lives. We are to try to understand exactly what is said here. How are we supposed to understand grace? How, what's this going to look like? That grace wasn't a one-time thing. That the Lord is going to continue to pour it on us for the rest of eternity. Mary says that he has sent away the hungry full of good things. Let's wrap it up in verse 54. So far we've looked at uh, these attributes. Love, uh, God's love, God's might, God's holiness, God's mercy, God's justice, God's grace. And in 54 we're going to look at his faithfulness his faithfulness. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he has spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. To put it another way, he has not sent his son as Messiah because we are good or deserving of anything, but because he is faithful. He said he would do it and he's done it. He will uphold the covenants he made with Abraham, with Moses, with David, he remembers, and He is faithful to do what is right. Listen to this in verse uh, Luke twenty-four, verse twenty-seven. Jesus speaking, and, be, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning Himself. He alone, Jesus alone, is the object of the Old Testament. Philip said to Nathaniel whenever they first met Jesus, he said, hey, we have found the one that the Old Testament Scriptures speak of. Jesus is the point of it all. And while we're not told to celebrate His birth, it's not a bad idea. And that's what we want to do in this place We want to worship Jesus in all that he is because all of what we are should be found in him alone. So let me ask you again. How does the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ affect a human? How does it affect you? How does it affect me? And first thing out of the book, or first thing out of the gate in the book of Luke is that we are to love and magnify a God of grace, mercy, might, justice, and faithfulness. That's our goal. That's what we should be doing this season. Not just this season, but the rest of our lives. That's what we should be teaching our children. That's what I should be teaching my daughter. That's what I want these young women to see. That's what I want these young men to see. That's that's our goal. That is our purpose in Christ. I got something I want to show you. Aubrey, will you go back there? This is tough, all right? I'm going to go ahead and warn you. So what's happened here is a, is a, a police officer, a father, he's, it's his funeral. A bad guy got him, right? If something happens to me, I want my daughters to respond this way. If something happens to Zach, I want Abby and Maggie to respond this way. All right? Let's watch this.
0: I with my dad about him losing friends and officers in the line of duty. I have heard all the stories you can think of, but I've always had such a hard time with how the suspect is dealt with. Not that I didn't think there should be justice served, but my heart always ached for those who don't know Jesus their actions being a reflection of that. I was always told that I would feel differently if it happened to me, but as it's happened to my own father, I think I still feel the same. There has been anger, sadness, grief, and confusion, and part of me wishes I could despise the man who did this to my father, but I can't get any any part of my heart to hate him. All that I can find is myself hoping and praying for this man to truly know Jesus. I thought this might change if the man continued to live, but when I heard the news that he was in stable condition, part of me was relieved. My prayer is that someday down the road, I'd get to spend some time with the man who shot my father, not to scream at him. Not to yell at him. Not to scold him. Simply to tell him about Jesus.
1: The light of the world has come in Jesus Christ. This is how we are to be set apart. This is how we are to be different. I should know this. I should feel just as this young lady does. As Mary does. I should know God and know his attributes and share it with everybody. doesn't matter what they do to me. We have an opportunity. We live in a time and a place that needs the Lord God and needs His Son as their Savior. We have the ability to live as this girl lives, to live as Mary lives, to know God, to recognize Him for who He is, and to show Him to others. Our children first. Let's do it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for today. Thank You for Your powerful Word. Lord, may we know You for who You are. May we die to self. May we decrease and may you increase in our lives. May we throw away our dependence on on entertainment, on the things of this world. May we be wholeheartedly dependent upon you. May we be faithful to serve you, to follow you, to leave out of this place with a plan and a purpose to further your kingdom. Lord, Lord, you tell us that we are more than conquerors in you. May we start acting that way. May we start living that way. Lord, in this season when when there's so much gift-giving and and, and, and joy and and even extreme sadness and brokenness, Lord, may, may we look to you as the ultimate gift and may we share you as the ultimate gift with those around us. Lord, forgive us where we fall short. Forgive us where we're not faithful to follow you, Lord. Forgive us where we try to depend on the other things of this world, Lord. May you call us back to you, and may we follow you in lockstep. May we be intentional about following you, Jesus. We thank you that we don't have to do and do and do, but we can worship you as a God that's already done it. That you saved us. That you are perfecting us. That we don't have to worry about making you happy in in these little things in life, Lord, but we just have to fall in your arms and trust you as our Savior. Lord, we, we pray that you're just with us this week. We pray for opportunities to show your love to others. And may we be emboldened to take advantage of those opportunities. May we speak your name without fear. Lord, we ask that you bless us and bless this place and that, that we return those blessings to you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. All right, we're eating. So if you want to eat, we've got plenty of sandwiches. Please stay with us. Remember this, the 19th. Great opportunity to spend some time with the church, to spend time as a body into and and to fellowship together. So the 19th at 6 o'clock, don't forget that. Thank you.